I started from nothing Never knew where my next meal was coming But I transform my life, I stay one step ahead Mindset of disruption, I own the edge This is a drill cast, where I bring the wisdom you need Everyone is selling knowledge, I get mine away for free I'm as real as it gets, you either love or hate me Best believe I'm major league, Bill Hines, that's me This is the drill cast Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thrill Cast. With me today is a fellow racer, Robert Stout. Robert is a four time national champion uh, in sport cars. He's one of, I, I would say, he's my pick for the 2023 Stadium Super Truck Championship. That's who my pick is. Every year I kind of do a pick. I think he's the man to beat. I think that. Uh, you know, he, he did two years in it. He fell, I think, like 33 points shy of the championship. I think if there were a few more rounds, it would have been a little bit closer. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, congrats to Gavin Harlan, who won the championship. But, uh, you know, Robert uh, Stout is our guest. And, Robert, uh, welcome uh, to the Thrillcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Glad I'm able to uh, to join here and getting ready to kick off another season here shortly. So we'll be seeing each other in person here and uh, not too long at all. Yeah. Some people, when I say I do my picks and they're like, well, why aren't you picking you? I'm like, well, one, I'm realistic. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the world would have to align very well for me to beat the likes of a Robert Stout or a, a Matt Brabham or a Gavin Harlan or a Robbie Gordon, not impossible, but you know, I like to say like, you know, when somebody asks like, you know, Shaq, who's the best, he's going to say like Jordan or Kobe or somebody like, you're not going to say yourself. So yeah. Do I think I can win every race I'm in? Absolutely. Stranger things have happened, you know? So, but, uh, for me to pick somebody else, you know, like last year, I actually thought you were going to do it. And up until I think if the one race wasn't taken away from you, I think you, you would have had it. That was, that was, yeah, that, that, that was a big one. Um, for sure. Since just Gavin and I raced so close and so hard all last season it was a ton of fun uh, but nashville was the real kicker so not just um i i got sent to the wall in the last turn of the last lap while we were in a podium spot and then had to go to a backup truck this was the big kicker i had to go to the backup truck and the backup truck didn't even finish a lap but who did that oh that's my good pal max gordon of course oh max um, put you in oh. yeah max and i got together last turn last lap that one set me set me up into the wall and then, again, yeah that, that, le- was, that, on, that on that left hander yeah yep so it set me through first to the wall so I went DNF in that race and then backup truck the next day which didn't make it a lap so I went DNF in the second race and I still only lost the championship by whatever it was thirty three points or something so you didn't get any points really that weekend yeah that one weekend it was like you could have just stayed home on your couch and listened to your dad call the race you know yeah I probably wouldn't have felt as much pain as i did that following monday <laughs> speaking of that so nashville the year prior i believe is when you got your first win in stadium super trucks and uh it was it was you know it kind of we'll we'll bring ourselves to fast forward to the next year uh to last year i mean so and it, it's about lap count and we're going to talk about that because that was uh you know some contentious stuff so in the race you won it's funny Nobody, well, us drivers, we kind of knew 
where it was just because race control was in our ear and uh we knew uh where it was going to be but um the announcers and everyone else they were getting the wrong data and like literally the announcers and which is one is your dad so your dad's a you know famous broadcaster uh ken stout and he does a cbs nbc abc he's done mat mav tv i always get that wrong that mav tv the 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 bracing yeah. one MAV yeah. TV, yeah. yeah mav tv and uh you, you know what a, what a great voice for racing he has so uh uh so maybe after uh you race, you can start doing that. I'm sure the DNA is in that family there, right? For that, you can broadcast career. But in that race, you, I felt like I even went up to your dad. I was like, yo, you kind of got cheated on that one because it's like you didn't know he won and the race was over. So, yeah, let's talk about last year um, and, and the way the lap count was. And then when you crossed the finish line, um, you were, uh, you know, like you knew you won. But the announcers were like, oh, they thought we were on the white flag lap you know? Yeah. So that was, uh, that was interesting. And again, all the drivers, competitors, everybody within the series knew what was happening. So the broadcasters are actually calling the race live, but they're doing it from a screen that is in front of them. And that screen is set up with the graphics of 10 laps to go, nine laps to go, whatever the case may be. And we had made a lap count from the Saturday race, uh, to the Sunday race. We had made a lap count change. So the graphic on the monitor had not been adjusted. So when the broadcasters are watching it, they're seeing 10 out of 11 laps complete, but the checkered flag is flying. So when the driver's meeting, all of us had gone over the fact, hey, we're not doing 11 laps today, we're doing 10. Yeah. Uh, so we were all aware, we knew we were racing to the checkered flag. That was my first win. And yeah, they don't call it for a period of time until they realize the checker to come out because the graphic on their screen was still showing there was supposed to be an extra lap. So just a real small little technical deal from their point that didn't get changed. Um, that made it uh, seem like it was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, but again, all the drivers being aware. And that was a great weekend for us, for Continental Tire and Lucas Oil to go out and win that debut overall weekend, win the race and then win the weekend um, at Nashville. Because for anybody that's been to that race, the event is epic. Um, it's a badass deal, man. The, the parties downtown and the, the concerts in the infield after the fact, and they did a really good job of bringing a awesome motorsports event like to the people of downtown Nashville. The walking pedestrian bridge that they can come to the event over from uh, uh, whatever the, that main road is, right? That all, all the bars and party area is on Broadway or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, what a, what a cool event, though. Yeah, that's how I, I I just walked back to my hotel instead of taking an Uber. I just walk over the bridge and then get something to eat and go back to the hotel. It's probably yeah, whatever, nice mile, kind of cool off or whatever. But uh, yeah, in that in that first race, wasn't it Matty B who finished second to you? And that like you and him were was that you and him like racing to the checker and then you kind of got him inside that last turn that left hander. Yeah, me, him, and Robbie had a really good battle. And him and Robbie went side by side through that deal. Uh, so it was him and Robbie that really had the good battle going, I believe, at the end. And I sat in third, picking a lane, and I picked Brabham. And I, I went tried to go with him up the inside, but it wasn't enough to make it work. But me, him, and Robbie uh, put on a really good show in that first race. And then the second race, I was able to just get through traffic a bit better than Brabham was. And having him, um, whatever it was, to be a car or two between us. I think that might have even been Max's first podium, potentially. I think he snuck up there for one of them. And uh, that separation 
was the game changer that gave me the extra points over Brabham to steal the the overall weekend win, if I remember correctly. I think it was Max's second podium because his first podium was when his dad wasn't even there. I think that was at Mid Ohio with us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're no, no, right, no. Actually. May, or, or, oh, no. It may have been his first podium. Um, no, his first, w- his first win was when his dad was away. That's right. Not the first podium because th- that win that he had came in Mid Ohio. And I believe you and Gavin were fighting for the win. And Max just like dive bombed you guys in China Beach and got both of you. And I think both, I think honestly, I think both of you were like, where did he come from? Gavin and I were so, we battled each other every single lap, every turn, that whole race, which was like one of the most fun races I've ever had. Yep. But we were so focused on one another. We never even acknowledged the fact that while we were sitting there duking it out, Max was just reeling us in the entire time. Yeah. And Max set up a perfect move. It was so frustrating at the time um, that we allowed it to happen. But it was like, it was a perfect setup. Max did exactly what he was supposed to do um, to get underneath us. And he just stole a two for one on the last lap and was able to get that win. But that was his second win, actually, because he had won a race at Long Beach where Robbie finished that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. You're right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, the Long Beach one, which was that race. I actually led for like nine of the 11 laps, and I kind of like yeah. cooked it into – I won't do that this year. I've, I've learned from that one. I cooked it into, I think, turn five, and I was like, shit. So, oh, well. <laughs> so that was funny. But, um, yeah, so uh, why don't we stay at Mid-Ohio? So it was this race uh, this year – well, last year, last season, and – they kept changing, you know, from what I heard in my ears, I don't know what you heard in your ears. They were like, all right, we're going to do uh, this many laps. And for that one, we did have a new race control. Um, our, our race control guy was not here for that race. So there was a new guy, we won't name names. And uh, he was there and literally like what he was telling us that the race was going to be basically the distance we actually raced, which was um, – you know, where you took the checker. However, then after the fact, they went back and were like, no, we were actually, it was two laps less. And at that time, Gavin was in the lead. So um, I know that's heartbreaking because, you know, like, you know, we're racing to what we're being told in our ears. And even me, like I, I was, regardless, I was third and similar to the year prior or even like you, you and Gavin just like, or even, the race prior, I should say, like you and Gavin, uh, for those races, like you and him, man, get locked in these battles. And they're just even, even as like another racer in the race, it's like you, you start to think like, oh shit, I'm racing these guys too. And I, you, you kind of look at you guys and I'm like being a fan and I laugh. Like I, I actually, I giggle. I'm like laughing when you pass him and then he passes you back. And I'm just like, wait a minute, they're checking out on me. Let me, let me get back in the game, you know? So tell me about that sequence and stuff like that, because like, you know, that what I felt bad for you because it's like, you know, you're on the podium, you're getting the champagne, you're getting the trophy, you know, your dad's interviewing you. You, you probably would have taken the lead in the championship points at that point. And I think whoever had the lead in that race, you know, that sets you up, you know, you know, you want, you want to be in one, not two. So. Yeah. So it was a big deal and it was pretty frustrating to say the least uh, on this because uh, we did what we were told. I took the checkered flag in first place 
I did the podium as the first place winner, and then it was taken away. Um, Gavin and I had an awesome weekend racing against each other, and it was again arguably the most fun racing I've I've ever had. I mean, it was freaking awesome. Um, but so here's the scenario that went down. They tell us in a driver's meeting we are going to run X amount of laps. So hypothetically, it would be like three laps. Then the caution will come out. Another three laps, caution come out. Another three laps, we're going to finish. Hypothetically, not that those laps were were specific that way, but. Um, they tell us, okay, well, it's going to be a total of, let's say, 10 laps. And the... This one was 11. This one was 11, actually. But then we went 13. 11, yeah, so there you go. But we went and 13. They, uh, <laughs> they, they, it, they ended up running us 13 laps, right? So traditionally, you would say right off the bat, the easy decision is what they did. Okay, well, we'll go back to whatever the running order was on lap 11. Yeah. And we will just make that the call. However, however, you guys were on lap 11 is the end of the race. Well, there's a couple issues with that. For starters, when we're in a battle the way Gavin and I were, we're picking and choosing when we make our passes, and you don't always want to be in the lead on the last lap. I don't have any incentive to go make some crazy dive bomb move on him if there's two laps to go. So I have no problem sitting in second place if I'm right on this bumper and I know I can set him up somewhere. Yeah. So from anybody that has raced, you know that you always have that kind of strategy in your head. On top of that, we have race control in our ear telling us every time we restart, we have X amount of laps to go. We have X amount of laps, so three laps to go, two laps to go, yeah. one lap to go, white flag comes out. Yeah. Checkered flag this time, checkered flag comes out. So race control was up to speed on telling us everything we needed to know. We obeyed that. We raced to the checkered flag, and I ended up winning. Yeah. Well, when I came back, they said, well, we're just going to revert to two laps before that. And I, my biggest argument here was, uh, you are telling me that race control in my ear does not matter as long as something different was said in the driver's meeting. Yeah. The flags on track do not matter as long as something different was said in the driver's meeting. Yeah. So you're telling me whatever said in the driver's meeting supersedes everything else. If you tell me it's an 11 lap race and whoever does 11 laps first wins, why would I stop for a red flag? If race control is telling me to stop, why should I do that? Yeah. Because by switching the running order, you're telling me what race control says. If they decide to change it on the fly, I don't know why. I don't have any reason. IndyCar needs us to finish early for TV. Sometimes we shorten races. And they tell us that through race control. Hey, you know, we're not doing this mandatory caution anymore. We've got to get going. Three laps to go. Checkered's coming. Okay, we make an adjustment. We race until the checkered. So you're telling me by reverting that win that the flags that came out, no longer take priority and race control in our ear no longer takes priority over what was said in the driver's meeting. So I'm like, okay, well, red flag comes out. I'm just not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Let's just keep going. I'm just going to do 11 laps. And as soon as I'm done, I'm parking the truck and everybody else can figure it out because in the driver's meeting, all they said was 11 laps, right? It's kind of silly to think of it that way. So the fact that they made the decision still, um, the fact that USAC still decided to make the decision, to revert that uh, to the previous lap count and saying that what race control had changed the laps. Now it was a mistake. They changed it on they accident, but they did change yeah. it. Yeah. They told us that the lap count was going to be different. Here's when the flags were coming. The flags came out exactly when they should have. We all knew it. That's why we all kept racing. If we all thought the race was ending two laps earlier, Gavin would have pulled it into pit lane and said, I won. But he knew that race control was telling us there's two laps to go. Um, and nothing against Gavin. He did everything. Well, there was no check. Right. There was no white flag or checker flag either until. Yeah. And, and we're not dumb. Yeah. You know, people can count their laps in the truck. I will say personally, I don't, I knew something was wrong. I was like, 
I was like, we're running longer than I would have thought, but I wasn't counting exactly where we were. Oh, I, I knew. I was like, where I come off that left-hander, right? And I'm just like, I'm hiked up on three, and I'm looking up at the flag stand, and I'm like, where the fuck's the white flag? I'm pretty good at that. I'm like, right. okay. So then the next, I'm like, where the fuck is it again? Because we went two laps. It was So right. I'm like, shit. And then I noticed like my pickup. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, like I I start like, you know, we're we're pretty calculated as far as our fuel. Right. So I was like, shit. And then you guys are just gone. And I'm like, fuck. So like yeah. you know, so I don't know. I had a so, problem. So there was a few variables to it, but the gist was uh yeah. they did the reason this happened is this stand in race director was not counting the uh, yellow flag laps, yeah. The yellow flag laps, yeah. right? So we end up going an extra two laps. Um and that was the area. So again, that's mm-hmm. I've just never ran a series where they you race to the checkered flag. Race control tells you to race to the checkered. Race control says when the flags are coming out, and then they come back and are like, "Nah, don't worry about it. We're just going to throw whatever the order was from two laps ago." It's like, well, wait, I, I, I had no intention on making a pass two laps ago. There's no point leading with yeah. two laps to go. Who cares? Um, you know, and Gavin was super cool about it, of course. And none of the drivers, it wasn't anything that any of us did. It was just a really weird scenario. That was unfortunate, and I was pretty disappointed in USAC to tell me what they told me, uh, and that we're just going to say whatever was said in the drivers' meeting supersedes flags and race control. And here's the funny part: the very next race is Nashville. Yeah. What do they tell us in the drivers' meeting? They say, "Hey guys, we're going to try to run 11 laps, but there's been weather rolling through, and IndyCar needs to get started early, so we will let you know during the session if we're changing the lap." If we go to nine laps, like, yeah, 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 and cut yeah. a yellow. Like, That's really? what they said. We might cut a yellow. Yeah. I was like, so you guys, race control might come to us on the radio during the race, alter the amount of laps we're going to run, alter when the flags come out, and that's the finishing order we're taking. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty funny because we just had that scenario mid-Ohio, and you guys said, no, we're just going to go back to whatever we said in the driver's meeting. But the other thing you know, too, is that sometimes drivers, they don't, their radios don't work. And you're when like, I won at Nashville, I had no radio, I yeah, had no communication. You don't know, like you're just looking at the flags. Like a lot of times I could tell by the corner workers, like kind of what's going on, and even the crowd, like when it's gonna be, or even like sometimes I look up at them like the jumbotrons, I can see there. Yeah. So that's like like, you know, okay, what's going on there? But so it's funny, I did obviously as a driver, I want to do research on that. So in the USAC rule book. It's like this fucking rule that was written in the 1950s. And basically the rule was that, and, and maybe I think the rule needs to be changed. The, they, they, I think they ha- hung their hat on the fact that this rule was, hey, no matter what, whatever the predetermined number of laps were, if it, there's other errors, we're going back to the originally scheduled thing, right? And at the end of the day, you know, that's, you know, because it was his error or whatever. So he like apologized, but I think that's what they went on. But I think like, I think a rule from like 1954 shouldn't even be in the current rule book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that, like, you're exactly right. That's what it was. They took that rule and they're like, well, the rule says, you know, this is the rule. Yeah. Meeting, we revert to that. Yeah. I was like, I said, and I looked right at them from USAC. I said, that's a bullshit rule. Yeah. I said, that rule is there just to cover your guys' mistakes. That's there just to cover your screw up. Yeah. Um, I said, that's not there to take care of the drivers or to help anybody else. It's never happened that's before. That's just a total safety net for you guys making a mistake. Yeah. Um, so that was, again, a little frustrating to say that I shouldn't say it was a little frustrating. It was extremely, extremely frustrating. It pissed me off. 
Um, and people will then even again, bringing back this broadcasting scenario, go to my dad and say, well, you even called the race. You called the checkered flag as Gavin, the winner two laps early, early. Yeah. But again, broadcasters going off the monitor that has the, the, the display showing we're only going to run 11 laps. And it had that countdown going. Meanwhile, we have race control in our ear telling yeah. us three laps to go when there should have been only one lap to go, but we don't, all we're hearing is three laps to go. Yeah. So even if we're knowing like, man, there should have been a flag by now of some sort, we still have race control confirming to us when the race is going to be over, which is why we all continued racing. Right. But Gavin's not going to stop racing because he has race control telling him when the checkers yeah. coming and he hasn't seen the checker. So we always race to the checkered like every other racer would do naturally. So yeah. yeah, that was pretty frustrating. I was a little disappointed in USAC on that and making that decision. I mean, I handed the trophy back over to Gavin, of course, uh, fairly, but I really was disappointed in, in USAC on that one to say the least. And then Nashville was just icing on the cake and having qualifying on pole at Nashville, um, running all the way through the field up into the top three, and then getting taken out. I mean, I was cleaned out last turn, last lap, sent flipping into the wall, and then um, and then a backup truck doesn't finish, which whatever, that's just the way racing goes sometimes. But yeah, I was really hoping I'd be able to, to have a good shot at the championship, and just a few things didn't go my way there, and one of them was in fully in USAC's control, and instead of doing the right thing, they just took the, uh, the cheap way out, and they went ahead and, and just pulled it back. So uh, is what it is. That's what you get for racing with certain people like that in USAC sometimes, but that'll mm. happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, like, they. you know, I think the perfect storm, I think if the regular people were there, it would have been fine, but, you know, and but I think for a series like ours, you got, you got to have the regular people there. You can't, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we're one of the most popular, uh, you know, series on the planets right now. Like some of our videos are getting 170 million views and stuff like that. So it's like, you, you know, you, you don't want that controversy happening. All in all, you know, I think the guys at USAC are, nice guys and good people so you know but again I, I i believe that issue and then your dnf i mean yeah that, that probably cost you a championship so but gavin harlan great kid nice guy deserving champion as well so but that's why i'm thinking like okay for two years in a row you've been close and i think you're like you know all right i'm not gonna let i'm to me the roberts that i know you're not gonna let anyone else interfere with your plan this year and i think you're gonna be like all right you know now i know what i gotta do like it's gonna be uh like everyone sees this nice handsome young man here and and uh and when you strap that helmet on you're vicious you don't take shit from anyone you're a different animal altogether so yeah yeah and the uh you know, the first year in any series, and I've, I've driven a lot of different stuff between sports cars, wing sprint cars, short course off-road, stadium trucks. So every, I like to say, I, I probably have more like rookie of the year trophies than anybody I know. Um, yeah, just bouncing nice. around so many series. But the first year, you always kind of play nice guy. You don't want to go in there and ruffle any feathers. And, it, you know, guys like you and, and Robbie and people that have been a part of the series for a long time, grab them. Year two, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get after it. And then I took a few shots from people, you know, me and Max had some super hard battles and I love Max too. Uh, he's great. But I think Max is more, uh, not to cut you off though. I think Max is more about inexperience because at the end of the day, guys like 14, 15 now, I, re I really don't think Max does anything intentional, you know? I, I think he, I think he does when he gets pissed later on, but I, I think it, I think when it gets, I think like, let's just say something happens, the initial incident, okay, is inexperience. You know, but but then like he sees something, he gets 
emotional in the truck and then he does something, you know, but, uh, other than that, I, I think, uh, yeah, like I've noticed like you, you, you're a very clean racer. Like you and me, I know, I, I was saying it to Davey Hamilton Jr. I was like, I always know where Robert Stout is. I always know where Brabham is. I know what, uh, uh like Gordon's going to do or Sheldon Creed or, or Orion beat like some of these drivers, some, some of the new drivers, like in that Bristol race, which we'll talk about that because you made oh, probably yeah. one of the best passes I've ever seen in my life in SST. Literally, you went from like fifth to fucking second in one turn. It was fucking brilliant. It was fucking amazing. So, and I actually saw that from behind me. I'm like, fuck, we're, like, and I, and I didn't like to see that because like not many people want to see Robert Stout behind them in a race because you're coming. So anyway, um, yeah, pick up where you left. Oh, I slammed the table. My producer hates that. But pick off where you left off about like racing <laughs> with Max and that. Yeah. Yeah, so so Max and I had some hard battles, and and you're yeah, you're, I mean you're right with Max. He's he's new, right? He's young still, and he's he's progressed so much. It's unbelievable. He's so fast now, and I've I've been on just about every end of the spectrum with him on whether it was an intentional bump, whether it was an emotional one, or whether it just made a mistake. Yeah, um, Long Beach into the hairpin. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he did exactly what he should have done, and he moved me out of the way to try to go get a win. Rightfully so. It sucks to be on the other end of it, but that's the move, man. Everybody knows the hairpin at Long Beach. You're moving somebody out of the way, especially on that the last lap. Last lap, that yeah. yeah, that's a Sheldon Creed, EJ Vizo, Robbie Gordon move. All three of them have won yeah, races. You're, you're one, two laps to go. You're sliding it in there. You're putting a bumper on them. It's just what you do. If you've got a bumper, you're using it. Um, so I get it. I just unfortunately was on the wrong end of it that Ryan. time you know mid ohio he throws it up my door it was a good move uh long beach i wasn't super pumped because he did he did move me i mean he moved me pretty much first to third uh but that's all right if he's in front of me last lap i'll, I'll feed that one right back to him and uh and laugh and smile with him about it when it's all yeah. over with but uh you know when we had like nashville for example where um that was a mistake i don't think he meant to he, he didn't mean yeah. to hit me the way that he did i think he meant to get it up in my door um, and check me up a little and try to drag race me down to the corner. Yeah. But he didn't mean to, to blow me out the way that he did because it ended up being more front bumper towards driver door, which is what gave me that lateral motion that put me up on my side. Yeah. Um, he didn't mean to do that. That wasn't intentional. I understand that. Uh, but that's what I talked to him after. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're so freaking fast now. I'm like, you don't have to, you don't you have, have to do, do that, that stuff yep. anymore. Like you're fast enough. You can straight up pass us when you set us up in the right moment and he knows it and it showed at bristol and he raced way better and i've got no bad blood with max at all him and i are great buds and everyone around at the track yeah. like you said a little bit of inexperience mixed with him knowing he has the speed to go out and win these races now um and every now and then he, he got put in those situations but unfortunately it was it seemed like it was me that was on the other end of it for like half the season for whatever reason but no max is all good um but yeah it was a big spill though man that nashville crash was no joke and it was a pretty pretty decent mistake that unfortunately cost me a whole weekend. Kind of similar similar situation happened. I believe it was the year prior. Uh, I think Brabham. You know, I don't think he meant to do it, but he cooked it in too much. I think he like overdrove the corner. He then bicycled up on the curb and then hit you, and then you rolled. You remember that one? Like I don't know what your yeah, take on yep. it. That's how I took it, but it, you, maybe you think he was dirty, but I don't. That, uh, typically, uh, like Brabham's not a dirty driver, in my opinion. I just think he he basically was like, "Fuck! I, I, if I don't make this pass now, it's probably not going to happen on Robert." And I got to, and I think he just broke way too late, hit the curb, and then just went into you, you know, and got loose. 
and then yeah i don't i wouldn't call it a dirty move by any means maybe an aggressive move not a dirty move yeah. um yeah exactly what you said and he popped late it's one of those deals where i look in my mirror and i'm like go to the brakes look in my mirror i'm like cool he's in line we're good and yeah. right when i look down he dives hard left bounces the inside curb pops out yeah um and then it pops me into the wall and the wall kind of kicks me over onto my side and uh, but then it was like then he it happened again at, at mid ohio later that year he came in gets into my door and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm starting to get a hang for this. I, I'm starting to figure out what Bravo's not afraid to do here, but, yeah. uh, but he knows this truck so well, he can do that stuff. And at the very most, it might do what happened to me, which is typically maybe kick me loose or spin me around. Yeah. Um, but no blatant just plowing into anybody. Yeah. But Brabham knows the deal, and he and he's uh, talk about somebody who's a nice, really nice guy and well smiled and super nice mannered. Um, and then puts a helmet on and is like. Oh yeah, Brabham, Brabham got that Aussie charm, that accent. Look you right in the eye, and he basically puts the helmet on. He's gonna punch you right in the dick. <laughs> you know, he doesn't. He he's he's a winner. He's not afraid to throw it in your door and yeah. be like, "Hope you can hold on to it. Have fun." Yeah. Um, which is again one of those deals. That's about as aggressive as I'd say is okay to deal with racing. Um. And sometimes a little overly aggressive, but doing what we're doing, what we're racing, it's going to be aggressive sometimes. It is what it is. But he just had to know it. Like now I know going into race with Brabham, I'm like, okay. It's part of the he'll, show. He'll be clean when he needs to be clean. But when it's time to go and he decides, he's, he gets that switch flipped in his head of like, I'm going now. Yeah. Uh, you you know what to prepare for and then you can deal with it accordingly. But that was the first time he'd really thrown one in on me like that. And it freaking pounded off my door so hard. I didn't see it coming at all. I'm like, okay, now I got it. I figured Bradley out a little bit. We're good here. Well, last um, year, last year we had an interesting race at long beach and I was in the lead and then it was you Brabham and Brooks. Okay. And we winded up going like four wide down that back stretch, but then we were like two and two. And then I think uh, like Brabham was there, and then I think you got all of us. Like you, you ended up going from fourth. Like you're the magician of that. I think you went from like fourth to first down that back stress, and you got us. And then Brooks and you were battling, and then uh, I believe Brabham finished third or something like that. I don't know how that race went. I forgot it automatically, but I, I just remember like the four of us just flying down that back stretch together. Like and it was like okay, and we're like we were all moving. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, I know in like turn five and six, like when I hit that jump coming off that off a of six or something, I know like when I went, I just kind of wheel hopped and I'm like, fuck, here comes Robert. I, I just knew that one mistake. I was like, he's going to eat me up on this corner. Like I just knew. And then, uh, so that sucks. You know, when you, when you make a mistake and someone like you are behind you know, it's not fun. It's like, you were doing so good in that race. I remember looking, cause like you said earlier, we do look at the big screen yeah. when we're doing these races and I'll take a look like qualifying anything and try to take a look at where the lap times are and uh, maybe what's happening if, if you're farther back or vice versa. And I could see on the big screen, how checked out you were yeah. I was thinking before the final caution. I'm like, if we don't figure this out, like he's going to run away End of story. Like we can't keep battling around back here in fourth and fifth, sixth place um, because you were checking out. Yeah, I love so that. So that was a good one. But yeah, we did. We had like a whole party pack down that back straightaway that started pushing people and shuffling around into that that last corner. And yeah, I think I was able to pick up two or three spots on that deal initially. But um, that was Brabham and I had a great race. If that was the same race as well, like we were going down in, down the front straightaway, splitting trucks. Oh, yeah, side yeah, by yeah. Side into break zones. And 
Uh, I mean, dude, what a SST is just a freaking blast. There's just no way around it. The racing is badass. It's so much fun. I think he did it to Zoe and a couple other people, and it's just like you know, it's like bam, it's like parting the Red Seas or something like that, and then going into that breaking zone and uh, just taking different lines. But same thing happened in in Bristol. So in that race, same thing. I was checked out, and I was like, this is great. And and even the announcer was like, oh, Heinz backed off a lot. So like, I had such a lead for my first two sessions. I literally just was – I was like, I'm saving brakes. I'm saving tires. I'm just going to wait. And then <laughs> I'm looking in behind, and as I'm – I come off the hairpin, and I'm going this way, and I see you just like – dive bomb everybody and go from fifth to second or sixth to second like in that corner and then I was like fuck so at that point I was like shit I better like I don't want to get past before that next caution so because I was like if I can get to that next caution at the final caution in the lead I'm pretty confident I'm going to get a podium but I think I could win it because my truck was so hooked up around that banking it was scary fast. And other drivers were trying to go high and low and triangle it. I was like, I'm, and I had texted uh, Sheldon Creed before the race. I'm like, hey, you recently raced to Bristol. What do I do? He's like, you just stick to the bottom. Don't do all that bullshit and everything. And that's what I did. And uh, it worked. And uh, when I saw you coming, I was like, shit. So tell me, how did you set that? How'd you set that pass up, though? Because it's like what Max did a two for one. In in uh, mid Ohio, that's rare. Like to get two trucks, unless you're like really drafting like down a Road America or something like that, where you can get two or three and you could just blow by someone in the draft. But for for to what you did in a slow corner, that that's almost that was almost like a, a Long Beach hairpin, and you're not usually getting two trucks, let alone like you got three or four. So yeah, I don't. It was like a combination of things that went my way in that scenario for the first time all year it seems like they had uh everybody's coming in shallow trying to drive in deep because they know it's such a big passing opportunity and it was something like the first row went in really deep and one guy gets a bunch of understeer for those of you that, that aren't familiar with the trucks they have locked rear ends in them so if you don't get the cutting break for to get some rotation out of that thing just right at the entry you're screwed it'll sit there with a bunch of oh, steering yeah. and it'll just go straight and wide and it won't turn at all so there's a lot of finesse in there that people don't see these drivers are doing. And I think somebody had missed it in the first row of cars. So that forces him wide as he's understeering. Yeah. The next two come in shallow, laid on the brake, going tight together. They go a little wide. And I just watched it unfolding. And I went way wide on my entry and just did this massive over-under. And by the time I came out, I was side-by-side with somebody over the jump, I think. But was able to even clear them with a bigger run. That was Gavin. And suddenly I'm looking up. Yeah, suddenly I'm looking yeah. forward. And I'm like, shit, there's Bill in the lead right in front of me. Like, that worked out great. Let's get a caution going and we'll be okay here. I wasn't able to get, never able to get you after the caution either though. We went multiple times. I think I got alongside of you and I was never able to make the pass happen. And then Robbie and a couple other guys snookered me because of that, yeah. that weird caution line or, or um, blend line. Yeah. You know, the, the blend line, like the no pass line. Yeah. So we had created a rule in this track just from a safety standpoint that when we enter this specific turn to the infield, it was so narrow and no runoff. We made it a, a gentleman's rule essentially in the driver's meeting. Hey, whoever has the lead side by side to this corner, just go ahead and fall into line yeah. um, to make sure that we're all safe through here. And Robbie had gotten his bumper just a little bit in front of me by that point, And I couldn't defend my I did too, line. actually. You almost got and me. And you did as well. And I, I ended up third or fourth because of it. Yeah. If So if you, like I was in the lead and it was coming to, like I said, when I saw you, 
like I I was relaxing because I was so checked out. And then when you went from like fucking downtown to second, I was like, fuck. Cause I like, I knew, I knew you or Gavin, if you guys got into second, we're coming. I was like, oh man, especially if you were both second or third, I was like, these two motherfuckers, they're just going to work together. They're going to draft each other. They're not going to make any stupid mistakes. Like if you were in third, you would have pushed Gavin. If Gavin was in third, he would push you. So you catch me. Cause that's what we would do normally. Like, oh, let's work together, get up to the front. And then it's every man for themselves. So when I saw you in second, I was like, shit. And I was like, cause I would really like the, the win, you know, but we went over the jump and then I had gotten to the, I know I got to line first and then I even checked the video just in case. But, and then uh, I was like, if you would have got me there, you would have won that race. And I think they would have been an, even, that would have been even a closer championship point. So, so it's like those little, yeah. little things, man, but it made it fun. And yeah, I was, I was, uh, I, I, same thing. Even when Gavin passed me, I, I did that wheel hop. That, that was the one worst turn I did. And then he, I thought I had him covered on the inside but I went just not even a half a truck length and he shoved it in there and got me. And what can you do at that point? And then I think Robbie got you and then what well, you finished like fourth, I believe. And Robbie got third, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, Robbie had gotten me in that scenario. I think maybe Gavin did. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to get by you because you, I, I got under you, but you, again, you beat me to the line. So yeah. yeah, that blend line never gave me an opportunity to battle the inside line and potentially hold on to my spot. So that that rule, but it was a rule. It is what it, it is. It was a rule. That one, yeah, that, that one got me. I just couldn't get the better end of but, that situation. But even that race, so that race, you raced so well, you literally deserved the win in that race. Like you could, even though you finished fourth, but that's SST. Like there's races where I've ra- I've I've dominated the race and led ten laps, and then like you do one mistake and you you dominate it, you deserve the win, and then you're fourth or fifth. It's like shit. So. Yeah, nobody remembers the guy that led the Indy 500 the whole time. They just remember the guy who won it. Unless you're J.R. Hildebrand. I think everybody remembers that one. That one um, was bad. That was like, yeah. I still, I still cringe when I think about J.R. losing that Indy 500 in like 2011 or something like that. I, th- I think, um, I, I think be, you know, in the way, obviously, like you go hindsight with that one and you say, okay, Dan Weldon won. I think that is like kind of like, I think that's it's why. Like it was meant to be. Like they were like. Like that was Weldon's last hurrah. I mean, he goes out in his final year with getting to spend more time with his children. He gets to help IndyCar develop a rear pod to go behind the rear tire, yeah. which it turns out months later would be the very way a crash creates gets started that that ends his life. Yeah. And he gets the Indy 500 uh, yeah. win before he you know gets gets to check out. So, um, I don't. I mean, everybody is incredibly sad to see him and have his life. Uh, what a great but, guy, too. I've actually met him before many times because he was an Andretti. Such a good dude. Yeah. 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 That that was its own own bad scenario. But yeah, man. It's uh, everybody remembers that that victory. And yeah, Bristol was a ton of fun though. That event was great. Robbie and and one of the funniest lines that I'm sure you remember. We're sitting in the infield and Robbie's changing the course every. We we qualified on a different track that we raced with and a different track that we ended. Oh, every, it got changed ten times, and I was like pissed off because like I said, my truck, my truck. I don't know if you saw it. Like it was hooked up for that for the banking. Okay, it could have. Yeah, you remember? You remember? Robbie even said he. Robbie said, uh, he said, well, you're like, why are you changing the track, Robbie? Why are you doing this? He's like, well, because I can't pass you, Bill. I can't pass you. He goes, I can't catch you or pass you. And I'm like, and? <laughs> and then he, he was so pissed off because at the end of the day, you know, 
let's face it, Robbie's a legend. He should be able to pass me. But you know, I just had the truck that day, and Sheldon, Sheldon actually since Sheldon was been, since Sheldon's fifteen, he's been coaching me. Like like the kid's that good, you know, and uh, and he's just a nice kid. And I text him all all the time. And Sheldon's never not gotten back to me. He's always texted me. He's always been a supporter of mine. Been a supporter of his, and he's always like giving me tips and tricks. He's like, hey, send me your timesheets. And he's like, uh, yeah, actually, he gets on me. Last year he got on me. He's like, hey, what what the fuck, dude? He goes, you got on the podium at Mid Ohio with Stout one, but obviously you got second, but. He said Stout one and Gavin second and your third. He's like, look at your times. He goes, you could have got a qualifying point. You would have been P three in qualifying based on your times. Like you, I think you had the pole, right? And then Gavin second, yeah. And even your dad mentioned that he's like, hey, dude, you better stop sandbagging. You could have had a point and kind of went for the overall, you know. And like, think about it. If you get third overall. For the weekend, you get some decent prize money with that shit. So oh, that's a big that's a big deal. Yeah, you got to disqualifying points add up. And if you think you're a top five car, you got to go. Yeah, I think this year I'm going to be doing that, but maybe not the first race. Maybe. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead and secure the front row start for Long Beach. There, kick off the season. Oh, right? with with there's six or seven new people. You can bet your ass I'm putting it on the fake pole. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like there's there's also another six six people that are legitimate winners for this series as well. So yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited about Long Beach. I love the race every year as it is. Um, I'm gonna have a, a a very similar truck scheme, but a different sponsor that we'll be announcing shortly. That's gonna come on and and help us out. You wanna you wanna drop them here on the Thrillcast or no? Since it's uh... no no, I, I will say that we will be back partnered with Continental Tire. But here's the thing. You could kind of announce it because even though this is being recorded two weeks prior, this podcast will come out on the 14th. That's a good point. When you put it that way, then uh, we now will have a sponsor who's been uh, supporting me now for about five years in the off-road racing uh, and has really enjoyed following our success over the past two years in the Stadium Super Truck Series. So they're going to come on as a... Uh, full-time sponsor alongside Continental Tire, and that will be Injector Dynamics. So wow. Injector Dynamics, based out of the uh, the general Phoenix area, is going to be coming on board for uh, at least the first two confirmed races as of now, which will be uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix and uh, the Nashville Music City Grand Prix. And then we're going to continue from there as, uh, as we continue to confirm races. So pretty awesome. excited to have Injector Dynamics with us for Stadium Super Trucks. Injector Dynamics. So you find them, I guess you Google Injector Dynamics and you can find out all about them. And, you know, one, I, you know, I don't know them, but I'm going to research them because I like to look into, you know, fellow driver sponsors and see what they do and stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, like they, I know for a fact, like, you know, and people if Injector Dynamics are listening to this on uh, April 14th, the Friday when it comes out. So we're probably at the track right now when this is being released. So, you know, you could not have picked a better driver, a better brand ambassador for your brand than Robert Stout. He's a champion. He's a proven winner. And your, your livery, Continental livery, you know, it is going to be toward the pointy end of that field. You know, and uh, don't don't feel bad when you see his truck starting in the rear. Okay, so in Stadium Super Trucks, when your truck starts in the rear, that means you're one of the fast guys. Okay, but make no bones about it. That number, what number are you again? I forgot. 
28. 28, 28. that's right, yeah. That number 28 is going to basically make its way up front, and uh, I hate seeing that fucking 28, but, you know, like, boom, pass by Yeah, we, we thought about changing the scheme a little bit and the paint scheme, but I enjoyed the truck's always been red, white, and blue. Um, so we're, and then I, and I like that, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, relativity that comes to it. For example, if you're looking in your mirror and you see me coming, cause you, you know, Brabham had been in the Carlisle truck the first year I raced against yeah. him. And then you put them, uh, you, you had them in the, the yellow and the, and the blue, your, your scheme that you ran the rest of the year, the mastermind scheme, um, at Long Beach last year. And I could not remember for the life of me that it was Brabham behind me oh. so I was, I was still used to the other paint scheme so i was like i want everybody to remember that it's me whenever they see me coming so i made sure to uh we kept the paint scheme pretty much the same a minor difference he initially had that truck and then when he he went to indy lights then that sponsor came to me and then for a one-off but right. i'm back on the thrill cash truck and then um the funny thing is is that um with the uh when uh, years ago we literally had five of the same truck and it was the live truck and we had it was gavin uh ari lion dyke brabham me um even like um paul morris all these people right and uh nobody like one time i was in the lead or no actually one of them, like either Paul Morris or Brabham was in the lead, but somebody, whoever was behind him, I think it could have been like Sheldon or somebody. And they're like, what the hell got in the bill? <laughs> like, cause, and it, and then, and they were like, oh, we'll just let him go. And, and, and literally, oh, it was Ari at Perth and he won the race and everyone thought it was me. And they're like, oh, we'll get him. And it was Ari and he was gone. <laughs> and it was, they were like, we thought it was Bill. I'm like, no, nah, Bill's in fucking ninth fucking around. But anyway, yeah. what are your plans this year? Besides, I see obviously the BMW uh, logo on you, and you got a nice ass BMW behind you. Uh, so, what are your plans besides Stadium Super Truck this year? And again, uh, you're my odds-on favorite uh, to to win a championship. So uh, don't disappoint, un unless I win it, and then you could disappoint. But um. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're going to commit back to Stadium Super Trucks again. Um, uh, sponsors love it. The viewership's great. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Why not? Right. Uh, but sports car racing is definitely, I'd say my bread and butter. Uh, that's what I really started in, uh, racing for a long time. Uh, but don't have any sports car ride going at this year. So I'd really love to be able to find my way back into a, at least a few sports car events, if at all possible. And that's what I do. Majority of my day job is I'm the lead driving instructor for BMW's West coast performance center. So I'm out here, uh, at the thermal club doing coaching on BMW, a nice. lot of private coaching stuff on the side, of course, for work. Um, but hopefully doing some short course off-road again as well. So we've been running uh, a lot of UTV racing, Lucas Oil short course off-road. So we won the championship in production 1000. Uh, we were running at a place called Texplex in an outlaw and unlimited class. And these things were just getting crazy fast, 100-foot tabletops, like gnarly, uh, basically dirt bike tracks that we were racing these UTVs on. And it's getting bigger in the Midwest at a track called uh, Mid-America Outdoor. Yep. Uh, the the Midwest has their own uh, series as well. So a lot of different stuff going on in the short course off-road world that we're going to continue pushing towards over the next couple of years. Um, but hopefully my goal would be to try to get back into a few sports car races if all goes well. If you maybe either GT4 car or GT3 car. So 
Um, we'll see, man. Just scrapping and uh, looking for any anybody that wants has any interest in supporting uh, some kind of sports car effort is really now where I'm putting my focus since we secured the stadium truck ride. Well, here's the thing, and I know we talked about it. So I got invited to do the KTM, that crossbow or whatever the hell it's called. I think it's called mm-hmm. that. And uh, for CGA Motorsports, it's a French uh, uh, racing team. And uh, they want me to drive because uh, in 2017, I won in the NASA series, like the endurance championship. And um, I was the lead driver. Yeah, granted, I had people like Marco Andretti and Brabham and as my co-drivers. But, you know, yeah, they did their job, but I did my job. You know what I mean? And so we all won the championship at, uh, that year. And, uh, you know, it, you know, when people say, oh, it's because of Marco or because of Brabham, it's like, eh, why don't you watch the race and you see like – the six hours of Utah, which just me and Brabham did it. I literally had the fastest lap of the race in the whole race, and Brabham got me with two laps to go on old tires. I was like, "You dick!" So, and I was, <laughs> but it was my fault because I was talking shit. Like I was like, "Yeah, let's win," and I got the fastest lap. But anyway, if I if I, I'm going to test that car, and if I test well, and I think I will, um, we're going to do like the six hours of Utah of, uh, in Utah Motorsport Park, and then like. I think the three and a half in Button Willow, and then there's like a uh, or three hours in Sonoma, and like a three and a half in Button Willow. And anyway, it's that endurance thing. And then I think there's a, a longer race at Coda. There might be an eight or twelve hour one there, and then there's a twenty five hour, uh, the Thunder Hill twenty five hour or the twenty four hour Coda. So that's kind of might be the goal for this year. And obviously, going to need teammates. So in the shorter ones, you just get one teammate, and then the longer one, we add a third. So. Um, and I know Brabham's going to be busy, so I would say he would be the third. So I would have like the main one. So obviously, I know how you race, and you protect the equipment, and you treat it well, and you're not going to. The last thing you want to do is go to Utah for a six hour race, and then have whoever starts the race like ball that shit up in turn one, and you, like, or at ten minutes in, and everybody pack it up and go home for no reason. Dude, we, in 2017, we finished second in our class for um the 25 hours of thunder hill right so which was 25 hours right so we had a great team and uh, uh w- the team right next to us they built they they brought like wood and a, like a carpenter and they built this freaking thing like okay we're here for 25 hours first turn first lap fucking sent it he didn't hit any other he just he wrecked the car and literally like I get done with my stint because I start the races because I, I, I'm i not going to ball it up in turn one. And uh, <laughs> I get out and I'm like, where the fuck did they go? <laughs> and like they tore everything down. They were gone. Could you imagine yeah. like, all week you're there setting up for a 25-hour race and you, you're a, a minute in, you're done. I've been a part of the 24 hours today, Tony. I haven't been able to compete in that one yet. And I've always, you know, I've done the Michelin pilot race before and things like that, but I uh, had been around and spotting for teams, uh, spotted for the McLaren team last year, Ferrari before that. And like you said, having multiple drivers, there's a big deal there. Having an AM driver that goes, all, you know, all the way back to last or or gets lapped, like it doesn't matter how good your co-drivers are. It's hard to come back from that kind of stuff. So like you said, being a third or fourth driver, it's a big deal. Like everybody has to hold their own and perform. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so brutal when even if you're a few hours in, three, four, five hours oh, yeah. in. And then one stupid mistake is made and you go 20, 30 laps down because you're having to fix the car. It just sucks the life and the motivation out of the team, out of everybody that's there. And you start wondering, you're like, I know we're going to finish because it's the right thing to do. You you, come, you finish something, you start yeah. if you have the ability. Um, but man, talk about 
like a long night if you know you're 20 laps down and there's no chance of winning but you're still out there working your ass off to try to do the best you guys can all possibly do and it's just disheartening whenever you see something like that happen so early on in one of those endurance rounds in uh 2017 we were in this one race and it was actually the six hour utah and the the one guy did his stint and the other guy he, he the car broke right and he was like oh it was gonna get it fixed and it was funny so it was a different class it's like it was a teammate it was a different team so another car on the team but in a different class and he left so it left one driver and usually there's three in that race so i'm not kidding you that class happened to have like all mayhem happen right and shit hit the fan and then literally they fucking won the race and the other like dude where is he at he was already at the airport in salt lake city and it's like they were like, we'll never have that guy back ever again to race because, like, why did you – like, and typically you wouldn't have left that night anyway. He's like, fuck it, the car's broke. I'm just going to go back home now. And he went to – caught it. Like, literally, he's at the airport boarding the flight and his and his, his teammate – and the, the guy literally drove, like, four and a half hours by himself. So, yeah, because – or not, maybe even, like, five hours because it, it happened really early. But, it, but if – so in an endurance race, if it happens early, you can get those laps back. But – yeah, I don't think any anybody that knows that situation with that driver will never race with that guy again. We don't like quitters, you know. Fuck it, like you said. Yeah, finish. that's right. You, you stick around, you stick it out. You know, if you've got crew guys that are there that are going to stick it out all night and bust their ass to work on that car and get it ready so so something can happen. Yeah. Um, even if you're not driving again, you, you don't just hightail it and say forget it. I'm out of here. You stick it out with the boys and uh, and see it through to the end and. Maybe when you're done, you all have a beer and talk about how much it sucked and you load the car up and you go. Or maybe you get lucky and things go your way and you say, nice, we won. Who would have guessed that, that exactly. all the hard work would have paid off? So, um, yeah, but you don't you don't leave guys hanging, right? All right. Well, th- th- thanks for coming on, man. We, we're almost at an hour and uh, we don't like to keep these too long. We actually went over than what we are. But, man, when, when it's with people you know and – and you're talking about uh, things you love and things you're passionate about. So that means like, you know, hey, you know, probably during the season, we're going to have our videographer out. I want to do a podcast with you and some of the other guys on the uh, in the series, like at the track. So we'll be we'll have the at the track. And, uh, you know, especially uh, if you're winning, because uh, nobody wants to be around uh, Robert that lost. So, you know, for a few minutes now, nah, you're still pretty pretty good in in your gracious uh you know in in your defeats and and uh you're just fun to be around when you win so like honestly when you won the race in mid-ohio you were the first person that came up to me and it gave me a hug you were like fuck yeah bill you got on the podium so that's what that's what i like about sst like you you appreciated you looked in you saw gavin at second you saw me at third and you were like fuck yeah and you came and hugged me you know where's other series where's the guy congratulating the guy that came in third or second They're typically not doing that you know yeah well you want to talk about grateful i freaking head first into the wall at nashville rung my freaking bell my foot's all busted up i can barely pull myself out of the truck and you stopped your truck i don't even know if you took the checkered flag no i didn't uh, take the checker yeah. stop and, and get out and make sure that i was okay so yeah. Uh, stuff like that goes a long way and, and isn't forgotten so oh, i forgot that. about that yeah but that's the right thing to do is like i see a fellow driver uh, you know, in an accident, you get hurt. I'm, I'm fucking like 
the race is not important, the human side of it and the friend. So yeah, I'm going to stop my truck and I'm going to get out and I'm going to forfeit my race, which I did. And I'm going to, I'll fucking dive in your truck if it's on fire or whatever. I'm going to, I'm, you know, cause that's the right thing to do. So I forgot about that because it's like, I don't even, if when it happens, I don't even think I just do, you know, it's not like, Oh, let me do this. You know, it's like, fuck, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was a pretty good hit to the head, but I remember that point. I remember you being there, so very appreciative of that because we've seen that similar crash go go the wrong way in a few different series. So, oh yeah, I'm glad to walk away and go give it another swing and keep racing, having some fun. Well, then you like now I remember everything. So the 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 workers, the safety workers, they're trying to drag me out. I'm like, I know these trucks better than you. Get the fuck away from me, you know? Like I'm trying to get in there, and they're like, he's he's getting out, he's getting out. I was like, okay. Once I saw you were okay, and then I was like, these guys are gonna call the cops on me or something like that because literally I'm arguing with them. Like they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh, you're not supposed to stop on the track. I'm like, well, he stopped on the track. Like he had no yeah. choice. <laughs> it's like I, literally, I'm like debating them. Like, well, he stopped. I'm stopped. What the fuck? So anyway, but nice to have you on. And uh, you know, we'll, we're gonna have to talk about your dad another day because your dad, he's a, he's a character into himself, and uh, you definitely come from good pedigree. And uh, yeah, so again, everyone, Robert Stout, and you search for him on all social media, and uh, you know, he's the one to watch in my eyes this year. So goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>